You're listening to BDO Spotlight on SPACs, a podcast series for regular insights into one of the hottest trends in the capital market space. Joined by an exciting guest list, tune in to hear our hosts from BDO SPAC practice share their experiences and a wealth of knowledge around the rapidly evolving world of special purpose acquisition companies. Hi, my name is Mike Stevenson, and I serve as the National Practice Leader for BDO's Accounting and Reporting Advisory Services Practice, and also as the National SPAC Practice Co-Leader. I want to welcome our guest for today's episode, BDO's National Managing Principal of the Valuation and Capital Market Analysis Practice and Valuation Global Leader of BDO's International Corporate Finance Group, Tony Alfonso. Welcome, Tony. Thanks, Mike. I, I appreciate it. On today's episode, Tony and I will discuss some of the complexities and challenges SPACs may encounter, especially as it relates to valuations of possible targets. We're going to look at a couple of different aspects of SPACs. So, you know, COVID-19, the pandemic, um, remote work environment, human capital issues, and I think it adds layers of complexities to a lot of things. Um, and e- even, even so, when we start talking about assigning valuations to targets, so, Tony, maybe uh, in your wheelhouse here, maybe you could just give us a little bit of commentary on, on where we are now with valuations and, and, and where we're looking at for accepted metrics and, and, and maybe just delve into that topic just a bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll give everything my, my view from a, from a valuation perspective. Um, no doubt uh, COVID you know, created a crazy layer of complexity. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, and not just for the SPAC world, but just valuations in general, but, you know, kind of getting towards the SPACs that the challenge that we, you know, we run into are, are several things. Um, you mentioned it, Mike, we, we were dealing with, uh, you know, uh, the, the great resignation, if you will. Um, you're dealing with supply chain issues, inflation, raise, rising costs and the like. All of those are just um, negatives, quite frankly, for a business. So you're, you're, you know, businesses are dealing with, um, you know, challenging expenses. Um, and then also on the revenue side, depending on from a supply chain issue um, or just a consumer demand issue, if you're kind of like in the, in the cruise lines or in the, um, you know, kind of like in the convention center type and then the music venues and the like. So there's a lot of challenges when it comes to looking at companies from a, from an income perspective and, and the cash flow generation ability of these companies. So if you look at things purely on a discounted cash flow perspective, you certainly are running into those challenges. The but on the completely other side of the coin, the markets aren't necessarily paying attention to the fundamentals. So what you have is a kind of a wider divergence of a market approach and also using um, an income approach. So what you have on the market approach is higher multiples. Uh, multiples are, are just running higher. Uh, we're, you know, we've been in a record bull market. Everybody every year calls for a correction. Um, but, you know, at some point when you call for a correction every year, one of these years, you'll, you'll be right. But <laughs> so you have market, you know, you have high market um, multiples. But from a discounted cash flow perspective, you run into some challenges. So you have kind of a wider range of values and you try to, you know, from a valuation perspective, you, you know, you try to keep that. Um, you're hoping to have that, um, that gap as minimal as possible. Um, you know, with these high multiples, it creates a flurry of activities. 
uh, speaking with some of our, <clears throat> you know, our clients and folks within the investment banking world, um, they're still they're still expecting um, these this record bull market to continue throughout this year, um, 10, 11 months or whatever. And what you see are especially from, a, you know, the owner managed companies, the, um, you know, the family, the, the companies that have been in family generations from generation to generation and the like. Um, are starting to get warm up to selling, whether they don't want to pass it down to their children or mostly it's because they're seeing these high multiples. And I know if they don't capitalize now, you know, they may never be able they may, I shouldn't say never. It may be a while before they start seeing um, multiples at this level. So they're kind of seeing that window. They're getting close to retirement. Uh, it's, you know, time to buy that boat right off into the sunset. Let's capitalize on the multiples right now. So it certainly has um, brought in some complexities um, from a valuation side. Um, what we're also seeing from the SPAC side is, you know, I, I don't want to say the word frenzy, but I will just because I can't think of another word. <laughs> but there's a couple there's a couple issues that we run into here. We're starting to you're starting to see SPACs price deals off of what other SPACs are paying as opposed to um, market, um, you know, as opposed to normal market multiples. So you're, so you're starting to see a little bit of the chasing of the multiples. Um, so that's something that we, you know, are certainly, certainly cautious of, um, you know, and <clears throat> where do we stand from valuations? Nothing really changes. We, we still look at, you know, we look at the fundamentals, um, strong um, cash flows, strong balance sheets and the like. Um, but, you know, again, as I mentioned before, um, companies from, from an operational perspective are challenging, no doubt, and kind of bridging that gap between the, the fundamentals from, a, from an income perspective and marrying it with the high multiples that you're seeing from a, from a market perspective. No, that's that that that's helpful. I it, you know I think a couple of the things that we see in the marketplace is one for for owners um, who are looking to possibly sell through this, and you're you're talking about the multiples and the valuations that they're getting. I think one of the things that's attractive to them is they actually they actually get to negotiate a little bit more on what the value of the company is versus if they maybe went down a traditional IPO path, and so I think that that's attractive to a lot of them. Uh, the, the 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 flip side of that coin is is anytime somebody's selling something and whether it's a you know a house a car or whatever it may be or a business um, the the owner may have different expectations of what the value of that business is and the market may be telling them different and so sometimes there's got to be a meeting of the minds of exactly what that value is and certainly there's there's a vehicle to do it but I, I think those are kind of the push and pull related to what we see in some of the valuations and I. I thought one of the topics that you that you mentioned, I took a note on was, you know, sometimes the income, the income methods and valuation approaches there don't necessarily match up with what we're seeing with companies today. Given COVID, you know, I, I think we're also seeing that in, in other emerging areas like you think about crypto, you think about NFTs and you think about the metaverse and you think about way valuations for companies like that work. And I think we're seeing a lot of complications there as well. So interesting topics. Maybe maybe I have another one for you as well. And so, how how are you seeing SPAC sponsors determine what what a quality target looks like? Yeah, no, that's 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 a great question. I, it, it's it's the fundamentals. I mean, I th I don't think you can ever get away from the fundamentals of a of a good business. One thing I think um, is most, is more cautionary than anything, and I'll, I'll kind of bring up two points. 
is um, one thing that's more cautionary is I always get skeptical whenever we start seeing um, things starting to get valued on um, non-GAAP financial metrics. So, you know, we all know the normal revenues, EBIT, EBITDA, price earnings, price book ratios and the like. But whenever you start seeing companies starting to be valued on, and I'm not going to necessarily name them now, but um, some of the non-GAAP financial metrics, and, and maybe what I'll do is I'll um, kind of go back into the early 90s or late 90s and the first internet boom when you started seeing companies being valued by eyeballs on screen or click-through rates and stuff like that. Um, so whatever, you know, um, the, the modern day versions of that is, are, I should say, um, I'm always cautious when it comes to that because the fundamentals of a business just don't go away. You know, once you have that DSPAC transaction, um, it's always kind of word to the wise to, to get a fairness opinion on that. So we are working on a bunch of fairness opinions for these transactions. Uh, you know, the board often forms a special committee. Um, um, you know, gets outside legal counsel. So that's just kind of a word to the wise, just because of the nature of these transactions. There's a lot of scrutiny um, on the forecast. Um, and there have been some SEC questions, intervention, if you will, uh, lack of a better term, um, on some recent um, SPAC transaction where there's been heavy scrutiny on the forecast. And I think that's really um, you know, it kind of goes back to that push-pull that you're talking about, Mike, is agreeing on a forecast, the value of a business versus, you know, an owner's version versus a SPACs. Um, so, you know, a couple words to wise, just to um, kind of recap what I just said. Um, I still think fundamentals are the key. You know, just cautious whenever you start looking at non-GAAP financial metrics. And also from a board perspective, um, it's always safe to... Um, you know, to form, form a special committee and, and get a fairness opinion on that. Okay, so I'm here. So I'm hearing that fundamentals still still trump the day is what it sounds like. Fundamentals um, still trump the day, but sometimes emotions ride uh, trump trump the <laughs> fundamentals. <laughs> Understood. Human nature. I get it. Uh, so maybe just yeah. on the last topic a bit, um, just kind of expanding on it just a touch. And Tony, I'll, I'll lead it to you, but. Are there ways that they can make themselves more attractive to a SPAC from a target company's perspective? And maybe from a valuation standpoint, are, are, are they there? I mean, I certainly know that when the DSPAC transactions that we look at, the, the most efficient and effective ones seem to be, um, at least getting through the process itself, seem to be with those target companies that are the most prepared. And then as well as those SPACs where they, the sponsors themselves have a, have a strong industry background and expertise in the target companies that they're looking at. Those, those seem to marry up really well with getting the best results. But is there, is there a way to think about that, that from a valuation perspective or other perspective about why they might be more attractive? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking you know, from the, you know, depending on the nature of the acquisition, but, you know, the company itself, you know, always, you know, audited financials are great. Um, you know, the, you know, obviously that's that's key. And I guess the more prepared the record keeping is to make the due diligence side um, smoother. Um, and, and that allows somebody, you know, a due diligence provider to meet the market demands. When I say meet the market demands, I'm talking really the timing of, of it. It's a, it's a you know, crazy, uh, crazy times, um, you know, record volume. So um, the, the quicker we can, you know, uh, 
a due diligence provider can get through their due diligence and, and issue that quality of earnings report, uh, the better. So, you know, financials in order, um, you know, prior to any of the transaction is certainly there. Then just from a from a industry perspective, usually, you know, companies that are, you know, market disruptors, um, you know, has a niche, if you will. Um, those are also, mm-hmm. um, you know, attractive um, qualities, you know, for, for a SPAC to acquire. Okay, that sounds good. And I, I think one thing when you, you kind of talk about companies that were previously audited, have good books and records, et cetera, all goes into preparedness. You know, I think it's important for companies today to, you know, while while a, a, a SPAC merger could, could lead to uh, kind of an expedited, expedited process to getting public, uh, I think just we talk about, you know, the great resignations. We know the human capital issues that are in place, not only for companies, but service providers, professional service firms, et cetera. I think companies need to think about how to build that time frame in a little bit, maybe possibly longer to deal with some of those uh, bottlenecks that may occur because of the, the lack of resources that are out there. So I think that's one of the, the cautionary tales as well. Tony, this was great. I want to thank you for joining today and especially for sharing some of your insights. If you have questions about what we covered today in this episode, please reach out to either Tony or myself and see how BDO can assist. Thank you. Thank you for listening to BDO Spotlight on SPACs. Past episodes and more information about BDO SPAC practice are available at BDO.com slash Spotlight on SPACs. We're also on iTunes and Spotify. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. 